0: Welcome to Better Broadband with Clearfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Better Broadband, a Clearfield podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you tapping in, whether you're listening to the audio or the video version, uh, for some more broadband industry and more generally telecom industry thought leadership as we explore the main technologies, trends, policy, you name it, that's shaping our industries. Uh, Before we get into the rest of our conversation and introduce our guest, I want to make sure that you're all tuned in to all of our previous episodes, as well as uh, make sure that you have some access to other Clearfield thought leadership. So make sure you're going to our website, cclearfield.com. Again, that's c-s-e-e, clearfield.com. On there, you'll find more information about our solutions and services, but also more Clearfield content, including episodes of Better Broadband and other white papers, research, analysis, videos, blogs you name it. You can also subscribe to Better Broadband on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new episodes of the show. So thanks again for joining us, everyone. Let's get to the meat of it. Today's episode is bringing in some outside perspectives to help connect the dots for our audience between A rising business model and our broadband industry. So today we're going to be breaking down how the growth of IoT and the growth of IoT use cases is solidifying the need for CAAS, right? Connectivity as a service. It's creating a new touchpoint in the larger network ecosystem for enterprises to build partnerships with solutions providers and take on an essential layer of network functionality with the help of a third party. So as connectivity as a service grows alongside this expansion of IoT, not only number of devices, but also use cases, we wanted to pose the question and break down what role should connectivity as a service play for fiber deployments specifically, right? And what connection does it have with the telecom industry at large and with some of the most pressing pushes for expansion of fiber broadband across the United States? So, to break it all down today, I'd like to introduce our guest who's going to, again, Explore the rising importance of connectivity as a service. I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Steve Higgins. He's president of Mobileware, which is a company that's providing advanced end-to-end connectivity and IoT solutions for enterprises by using industry-leading IoT connectivity technologies in order to support businesses mobility, wireline, IoT, and security. Steve Higgins, great to have you on. How are you doing? Uh, Very well, Daniel, and thanks for having me. Looking forward to this today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for taking some time and uh, exploring this topic with us. Before we jump into the main meat of the conversation, can you give our audience a quick eagle eye view uh, elevator pitch on your background, right? How did you land at this position uh, as president of mobileware and what has been your uh, career trajectory and what touch points has it had within the larger telecom industry?
1: Sure. And uh, really, gosh, uh, I could go a lot of places there, but I'll try and keep it short. Um, came out of the Air Force as a, a weapons systems communications officer handling an air-to-ground communication secure network for the Air Force. Jumped right into telecom. Uh, from there, really stumbled into wireless and cellular technology. Uh, at that time, we were activating as a partner with all the wireless carriers, uh, Blackberry, smartphones, tablets, as those grew. What we learned is that Carriers had limited coverage at that time. You couldn't take a device all around the world without paying exorbitant fees and overages. And we then uh, stood back and looked at what's what's really needed in this space. And that was the ability to have you know, one SIM card that you could take everywhere, connect every carrier, put it in any device and then have all the connectivity you need. So that's when we came up with our solution, the, the Mobileware Single SIM, and it does just that. It gives you 650 carriers uh, connectivity 210 countries and territories around the world. So businesses of all sizes, whether they have employees, assets, fixed or mobile, can uh, use that solution and make sure that they have the redundant connectivity that they need.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you for that context. And of course, we're going to be pulling from all of that and your specific work at Mobileware uh, to inform today's conversation on connectivity as a service. Let's get another eagle eye view, but this time on the evolution of connectivity as a service over the years, even just over the last five years, because as we'll break down here in a little bit, there's been a massive uptick in IoT adoption, both at the household level and at the enterprise level. And with that comes a uh, accelerated need for this layer of network support that connectivity as a service provides. So I'm curious how you've seen the field grow both in scope and in maturity over you know let's keep it limited let's say just the last five years or so and uh, through the pandemic.
1: You know it's uh, it's really interesting you know because uh, you're exactly right. Um, Forrester Research has a report out that uh, it came out in 2020 and they estimated that from the years 2020 to 2025, uh, covering the pandemic that we've all just gone through. But in 2020, they estimated the growth of connected devices to go from 20 billion across the globe to 60 billion in just those short five years. So. The pandemic has actually accelerated that. I think now the latest reports are showing up to 80 billion uh, by the year 2026. And what that means is it has now become the lifeblood of everything that we do in our daily lives. And I think if you step back and look at it from you know, an individual level on up to small, medium, large enterprise, enterprises, you're going to have every aspect of those organizations' operations down to individual levels are going to be connected in some way or another. And it's just become the lifeblood of everything we do. Connectivity is at the heart of all businesses of all sizes. So the problem becomes for any corporate executive or business owner down to individuals is you know, really, hey, how do we keep up with this brand new business requirement that's central to our existence now? Uh, you know, especially with the pandemic, we were so much going viral from education systems, schools, uh, enterprises, letting people work from home. Then the big scary thought was, well, they can have connectivity. How do we make sure that it's secure? You know, because everyone's just going to go out of oh, the open Wi-Fi airways, and so there's a lot of concerns that came into that. Um, but at the end of the day, the the bottom line, rubber meets the road, is how do we ensure that the connectivity stays connected? Because without it, everyone's kind of dead in the water, and uh, we've seen that now. Up uh, just a few weeks ago, our friends up north in Canada, when the Rogers network was out for almost two days, it was catastrophic. You had first responders that couldn't get anywhere they needed to. They couldn't even get uh, information of where they needed to go. Hospitals, surgeries, procedures, uh, everything was disrupted. Banks, they couldn't operate. People couldn't get money out of ATMs. Down to the small franchise sub shops or uh, you know smoothie shops where they couldn't process transactions because most people nowadays don't carry cash Everyone one pays with you know, a credit card or an app on their phone. Well, they couldn't operate the point of sale. So. Uh, they send employees home and that down to the individual level that employee got let off early. They didn't get the rest of their eight hour shift. They didn't have a shorter paycheck. So connectivity, when you really think about it is at the heart of everything we do and it can become catastrophic when connectivity is lost, as we just saw.
0: You mentioned this stat yourself, but I'm going to reiterate it, right? The number of connected devices is projected to increase from 20 billion to 60 billion by 2025, Another um, stat here to sort of round out that um, growth over the last couple of years, but in 2021 smart home devices were part of around 53.8 million households in the. US. That number is forecasted to reach more than 60 million households by 2023. So not only is the device count increasing, but the per capita device count is also increasing and there's more touch points. Building at the consumer level, which, as we've seen with a lot of other technologies, when the consumer gets a hold of it and the consumer builds it into their basic day-to-day, it sort of leaks up into the enterprise world as well, or at the very least, we get more adept employees, management, and C-suite that also know their way around IoT and its functionality at home, therefore making them slightly more educated and more mature in their implementation at work, hopefully then expanding the scope and the size of these projects. So it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy, right? A snowball down the hill, but a positive one, right? Um, And so in short, IoT is everywhere and it's soon to be even more present. So I'm curious what you see as some of the operational considerations for managing this growing network that's not only growing in number of devices, but in reach and scope and use cases. Uh, what are some of those operational considerations that you think need to be addressed as this ecosystem grows?
1: You know, and it's interesting because if you think about it, IoT for a long time was a four-letter word. Uh, IT departments, enterprises, they, just, they didn't even know how to begin. They knew that they needed to adopt it, needed to integrate it. They just weren't sure how, and it was this love-hate relationship that they had. So you have this plethora of connected devices from cameras to dishwashers. All these endpoints that become unsecure are uh, now vulnerable for individuals, and you're seeing more and more people sign up for personal VPN services to protect those and secure those down. What it does operationally uh, at enterprise level is you have now larger staff that have to manage more and more endpoints uh, in your organization and your employees. Um, you have these rogue devices that get on the enterprise networks that they're not sure how they got there, what to do with them, what to allow, what not to allow. So it's providing for a greater and greater uh, necessity to really monitor, manage those connected devices and then make sure that they have a backup connectivity when that primary connection goes down. You know, and we've seen it, we've all been driving through town, you drop a call or you're trying to book a reservation or or schedule your Uber and you don't have any connectivity and you're trying to find an area that has some connectivity. And so what we do with our SIM card is that it gives you that opportunity to have that that multi-carrier connection there. So if one carrier signal is lost, it toggles to the next best carrier and keeps you connected. And that's where we're adding value for these enterprises of all sizes.
0: And we'll get into the complexities of mobileware's approach to connectivity as a service here in a second. But I want to bring up another report, too, just to continue to round out some of this context. Um, This was a report from ISG. It was on the elevated maturity of IoT investments. Uh, I covered this in a a different editorial context outside of uh, Clearfield. But Businesses are now tackling IoT investments based on this analysis with an enterprise vision in mind, right, rather than just short-term trial runs. And this is being informed by years of successful deployments of IoT and also the rising need for industry 4.0 functionality and everything from thermostats to heavy machinery. Um, that need being pushed by sort of a the periphery of other digital transformations that are happening to enterprises, but also the competitive edge that is growing, right? If you're not making these investments by this point, you're actually falling behind the curve of where other businesses are finding ways for operational efficiency, uh, for expanding uh, their data and uh, analytics insights, not only on the customer facing end, but the internal end, right? I could go on and on, but I'm curious if you're seeing this kind of maturity, right? Uh, Sort of... um, long-term vision, a, uh, a more holistic approach to IoT investments. Are you seeing that kind of maturity reflected in the work that you do with your clients? And I'm curious if that is shaping how they perceive the role of connectivity as a service as part of that more holistic, mature strategy. What are your thoughts?
1: You know, Daniel, we, we're we absolutely seeing it in every industry of our client base uh, you know, every day. Um, you know, a few examples come to mind and it all stems from, from this one perspective view that we always share in our conversations with clients or would be clients, that is what you can't measure, you can't manage. And that, that applies to anything from a factory floor making widgets to, you know, a, a, a franchise and inventory, which you can't manage, measure, you can't manage. So with IoT and the adoption of IoT and connectivity specifically, we allow and enable enterprises to you know, measure the data that, that's important to them. You know, for example, years ago in the pipeline industry, oil and gas pipeline, whether you know, love it or hate it, but the specifics of they're pushing a, a product through a pipeline that's crossing municipalities, state lines, county lines, city lines. And every time that, that product passes those municipality line, they had to account for a tax basis. So they had to set aside a huge amount of money um, that they were estimating how much flow was going through. And they would, they would set aside millions and millions of dollars every month, every quarter to uh, set aside for tax bases that they to pay. And what we did is uh, years ago, we started deploying a router a modem at a pipeline flow meter with an antenna and a SIM card. And we would measure exactly how much passed through that point from those 30 days. And so we were able to help those oil and gas pipeline companies reduce the $60 million tax set-aside off the balance sheet and take it down to about a $6 million set-aside because they could actually know exactly what it was. So that opened up a lot of capital for them, more cash flow. They could continue expanding, re- reducing operational costs. Uh, and that was all just data that they could measure. Therefore, they could manage it. If you go into industrial engineering or the industry, uh, uh, any kind of Fabrication, manufacturing, same thing, widgets that are going through, they're estimating it in the past. Now they can know exactly by using optical readers uh, with remote sensors, how many pieces are exactly made perfectly, how many are going to be redone or, or set aside. So they can manage that data and what they can manage and measure, then they can reduce the cost, reduce the efficiency or increase the efficiencies and not have to have as uh, you know loss of materials and things like that. So. We're seeing it in, in every aspect of every industry, from large enterprises down to small, but to helping them better manage and measure the data that's important to them so they can reduce their cost.
0: And that kind of cost savings is, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to understate just how much that opens up in terms of budgetary considerations and reallocation of resources when proper IOT strategy and use turns into like you said quality oversight better management cost savings and then that just creates this loop where that money can then be applied elsewhere uh, more intentionally because of perhaps another set of data also informed by a layer of data analytics and perhaps IOT so it's it's cool to see and hear from you you know in in a, an anecdotal form that IOT uh, is being successfully leveraged for millions in savings for enterprises. However, and now we'll get into connectivity as a service more, uh, you know, with more focus, once businesses get a taste of the power of IoT, the power of that layer of data analysis and more data-informed decision-making, they start to bake in that level of analysis and insight and oversight into all of their decisions. Now, what happens when that insight or oversight goes away? And that's where connectivity as a service is critical. Um, for example, mobileware's connectivity as a service uh, solution focuses on stopping service interruptions by providing 5G wireless failover, immediate internet access, agnostic hotspots, and all of that based around the plug and play uh, single SIM card that you mentioned earlier. And this is obviously incredibly important because, like I said, if that level of data insight and oversight becomes an essential part of your day-to-day business operations if those iot devices then fail or they go out or there's a network interruption and it's in a mission critical environment even if it isn't uh even if it's just you lose a day's worth of data in the context of a whole month that could have been your worst day could have been your best day but that outlier that missing information is going to impact your decision making right so Let's dig in here. Can you explain uh, I guess more of the complexities around mobileware's take on connectivity as a service here and why mobileware went with this level of uh, you know network safety nets as its solution uh, and um, you know I guess just get into some of the specifics of um, uh, how your solution is actually applied in practice
1: yeah and and you know that's a really insightful uh, you know point that you bring up it's you know, we've all seen now that connectivity is the lifeblood of everything we do, from personal level or at the enterprise, large, small, medium, in between. It's at the lifeblood of everything, and when that connectivity goes out, that's when you know bad things happen. It can be lost revenue for clients. It can be you know damage to a customer brand or user experience, and then ultimately damage that overall large brand that you know companies and, and individuals have spent their lives building up. So what we do is just that we, we prevent those outages, that disconnection from happening. And what we looked at is in the past, we used to help clients manage uh, a large number of SIMs on one carrier, a large number of SIM cards on another carrier, and we would know where those were anywhere in the world, making sure they were connected, optimizing the data plan behind it. And as that operation that we had continued to grow and the clients continued to grow, and you had tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of SIM cards out there, all in different carriers, different networks, different data plans, it just became too difficult to manage. And so we stepped back and we said, we've got to find a better way to do this. And we said, why, why can't we put all the carriers on one SIM card? And that's what we found a way to do. So we came up with an ability to offer you know, multiple carriers, multiple connectivity or connections on one SIM card. And it does just that. We also, uh, with our solution, it has some embedded intelligence in it. So if you're on, carrier a and you're going along everything's fine all of a sudden that tower for carrier a goes out rather than just being disconnected again and waiting for it to come back up our sim card toggles over to the next best carrier and you don't miss a beat maybe that 10 to 20 seconds of of intermittent connectivity until you get back up on the new carrier and away you go Um, barely negligible to what most people would consider in their user experience or an operation side so that's kind of at the heart of what really separates our multi-carrier approach to it and then allows our clients to be able to send a unit anywhere in the world to, again, measure the data that's important to them or give them that connectivity. It could be for a remote workforce popping up in a consulting organization uh, in Bangladesh. It could be an operation in Toronto or it could be in New York City or Austin, Texas, anywhere in the world. They're going to have all that connectivity and throughput that they need. So they're employees can work so machines can be measured through can be had uh, refrigerators can be uh, monitored to how what level of temperature do they need to have a, a maintenance service call done and that's the the level of detail that we're able to provide with our complex solution that we have
0: did you run into any challenges when uh, attempting to build out a carrier agnostic solution like this that at least creates carrier agnosticity, I think that's a word, uh, for your clients. Uh, I imagine that may have taken a lot of, you know, partnership level conversations and communication with said carriers. Uh, and then obviously building that sort of cross communication functionality. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, some of the roadblocks that you had to overcome to get this to market, uh, confidently. Yeah, and
1: you're exactly right. There were certainly a lot of hurdles that we had to, uh, you know, uh, jump over, and sometimes we had to back up and take another running start and get over those. So um, we really leveraged our partnerships with uh, from the platform providers that we use, and then the aggregators that we incorporate as well, to give us this well, well baked, well established and vetted solution that now many Fortune 500 companies are, are leveraging because they know that they're always going to have connectivity no matter where that unit is in the world or where that person is with that iPad or that tablet or that modem, uh, giving them that connectivity. There were certainly inherent challenges in in coming up with that overall solution. Um, We still every day continue to work with our our partners that are involved in that uh, to bring on more carriers, different uh, bands, frequencies, um, offering, you know, as the advent of 5G came out, we had to then, you know, shift and pivot some to be able then to bring in that 5G connectivity as well. 4G has been around for a long time and 4G does plenty for what most IoT, uh, you know, connections need or require. But with the advent of 5G, it certainly takes the opportunity to do even more uh, to, to be that further along. So. Uh, we're, we certainly are, we face challenges every every day, every week, every month with the advent of more and improved technology, uh, more threats that are out there. So we have to make sure we continue to add,
0: uh, you know, the enhanced cybersecurity into the, the network as well. All right, we're going to pivot slightly now for the uh, back chunk of the conversation, and thank you so much for uh, giving us your analysis of connectivity as a service at large and the mobileware approach to connectivity as a service. What I want to do now is uh, end the conversation with insights specifically for our audience. So I'm curious uh, what some of the most useful use cases you've seen are for connectivity as a service, but specifically for fiber broadband deployment. Uh, Break that down for us, right? And where you see connectivity as a service playing an outsized role moving forward in the future of fiber broadband deployment.
1: You know, and it's something that's actually near and dear to my heart, because if you think about what we went through in the pandemic, you um, you had a lot of school children and kids in school that didn't have connectivity at home, and they were just sitting there. So um, that became an apparent bl- glaring problem across the country, around the world, if you will. But here in the, in the United States, we, we found that a certain... Aspect of rural communities uh, don't have the level of digital. They call it the digital divide. They don't have the connectivity that many people in metropolitan or suburban areas do. So now there's this big push to uh, develop and provide that connectivity to those rural communities, smaller communities. Uh, there's this continual, uh, you know, economic analysis that's done of you know what does it take to take fiber to a home. Well, the the cost to put fiber to every home in this country is just prohibitive. It's just it's just far too great. And then the infrastructure that would have to go in there to make that happen. So what, what we're doing, we're actually working on some projects hand-in-hand uh, hand with those providers that are bringing in fiber. And we're doing what's called a private LTE network or, or a private cellular network. And we'll bring the fiber into a tower in a local community or farming area. And from the tower, we'll then connect that and extend that using uh, our connectivity as a service. So uh, we'll put a unit in every home, every you know, every farm, every every residence in the community, and connect those back to that fiber hub, fiber node, if you will, wirelessly, giving them both the four G and five G speeds that they would like, uh, and doing it that way. So we're building out and hand in hand, or in conjunction with the fiber build out uh, for the development of that connectivity through the rural America. Both on the primary side, when they, they can't quite reach every home, we'll extend it out wirelessly. But we're also bringing in our connectivity as a service as that failover or backup when something happens to that fiber connection. You know, these, uh, construction companies that have a great way of finding that fiber when it's built into the ground and they have that magic call that goes and rips it up and it goes, Oh, we cut the fiber. And, um, so we have to get up out there, get back out there and splice that fiber together. But until then, that can take a few weeks sometimes. We have that instant failover in connectivity. So, uh, you know, the communities and the residents don't miss a beat and they have the connectivity that they need.
0: And having hosted a lot of conversations on sort of the uh, current climate around fiber deployment, I'm curious how you see connectivity as a service factoring into the current funding dynamic, right, where we see layers and billions of dollars in federal and state funding going towards expanding rural and underserved broadband connectivity uh, and elevating already existing broadband to prepare it for next level connectivity. What role, again, do you see uh, connectivity as a service playing with this as context? Break that down for us.
1: And so you're exactly right. There's, uh, you know, this last couple of years, there's been so much money that's put into the budget and been approved and, and allocated now for taking that connectivity to the, the rural communities um, where those contracts are really finding great advantages to look at what is the cost to try and take fiber to every single home. Uh, it, again, it's prohibitive. So where we're finding and what we're finding is in working with those um, those bidders that have won those contracts to, to take that connectivity and, and extend that digital and reduce that digital divide by taking that connectivity out they're partnering with a connectivity as a service provider like mobileware or others to extend that cellular connection to that endpoint where traditional carriers aren't putting up the towers and in their infrastructure to support some of those rural communities. So we're being able to take that out in these private networks using the connectivity as a service to either enhance, extend, or provide that backup connectivity when some of those networks do go out. Uh, again, ours can then uh, toggle from one carrier to another, extending that signal over to those homes that may be out in those smaller communities, and giving them that that same digital experience and access to the internet uh, as they need to have. Because everything is becoming more and more digital now; everything's connected, everything's done online. So they have to have that that connectivity so they can also
0: enjoy that quality of life. So then, it seems like connectivity as a service is going to take on an outsized role. Uh, In really all slices of the larger telecom industry, naturally, because as we've seen, there are more and more and more and more and more touch points for the consumer and for the business and for the enterprise decision maker um, where connectivity is essential and losing said connectivity is really not an option, right? You got to have stable network connection to either feed data, to keep critical systems alive um, and to make informed business decisions and to have your, you know, freezer keeping your Ben and Jerry's cold, right? So uh, everything in between that spectrum is wide, but Specifically for our telecom decision makers and for folks in our audience who are on the fiber deployment side, what strategies would you recommend for them to intentionally take on connectivity as a service, uh, both as a solution, but then also make the right decision around the use case that's right uh, for them and the partner that can execute on that use case, right? Give us your top tips and strategies for maneuvering those various layers of implementing connectivity as a service effectively.
1: You know, I think it's really imperative that uh, as the, those that are building out the, these, you know, extending the the fiber and the connectivity to the rural communities, I think it's really imperative that they definitely consider and, and realize that, you know, things are going to happen. Uh, we've got mother nature. You've got everything from hurricanes, fires, earthquakes that are going to come in and disrupt, you know, any, um, terrestrial network that you put in place, the, the fiber, the, the coax, whatever it may be, you're going to lose that connectivity. So I think it's, it's just imperative that as they're designing that, they're planning for that, uh, those events to occur. And when they do occur, they need to have the instant failover from a, a connectivity as a service or, uh, any other type of cellular connectivity. So they can make sure that the end constituents are going to have that connectivity. Um, you know, we, we don't want to see what happened up in Canada occur again where a network goes down and you've got first responders, you know, medical uh, facilities that, that can't be connected, and it's, uh, it, it can be life-threatening. So you want to avoid that. And the best way to do it is make sure you, you know, plan for those outages that are going to occur beyond anyone's control, but you can plan for that what to do when they do happen with a, a failover using CAS in that regard, uh, building that in and then making sure that you've got the right uh, redundancy
0: in there uh, so you don't have anything that could be catastrophic, let alone just inconvenient uh, for those communities. And my last follow-up question here before we wrap up, but you mentioned that you know, on the fiber deployment side, connectivity as a service might be playing a similar role to um, you know partnering with or creating uh, connections if you're a provider that has, you know, a cellular cellular network, excuse me, which I would imagine most do at this point, Um, you know, creating that kind of fail-safe connection between a cellular network and your fiber versus creating that safety net with connectivity as a service. If you had to sort of explain when to use which option or, you know, what pitch would you make for connectivity as a service compared to another sort of uh, connectivity safety net, um, solution, what would it be and why, right? Where are those differences that matter specifically uh, for fiber players? When cellular connectivity is not going to be an option, some of
1: these very, very rural, uh, you know, remote areas, you have the alternative of the satellite uh, connection. And there are certainly some very adequate connectivity that you can achieve using satellite connections. And I think it really just depends on those specific use cases of how far remote are we talking? You know, as far as, you know, if you've got some research labs up in, at the North Pole, down the South Pole, uh, you know, using a, a cellular failover connectivity, CAS is just not going to work because there's not the infrastructure in those hundreds of miles outside of that, that area. They're that gonna be able to give you that connectivity. So you have to rely on an alternative, which is gonna be a good connectivity from satellite. And that would be, just have to be looked at it on a use case or case by case basis. But I think the the most important thing to consider for any of those providers building out that connection, the broadband, is having that failover uh, because it's not if something or network fails, but when it does fail, what is our, our failover going to be
0: to make sure that our constituents are you know having adequate connectivity that they need? Steve, I think you summed it up perfectly, right? It's not an if, but a when mentality that folks... Uh you know, across every slice of the telecom industry, should be taking on uh, when it comes to potentially losing connectivity. And if they approach that reality with, you know, an understanding that it is a reality, then connectivity as a service starts to make much more sense, especially when they start to see the number of IoT devices in their network increase exponentially year over year. So, You know, I think this is really just the beginning of our conversations around connectivity as a service becoming a standardized aspect of, um, you know, the telecom network ecosystem. And so therefore, I hope to have you on again soon for further touch points as we see you know more exciting growth either on you know mobileware's side with some of your projects or just more generally with connectivity as a service getting um, larger use cases and more high profile projects under its belt as a uh, you know, industry-wide solution. Until then, Steve, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up our conversation. Folks, we've been chatting today with Steve Higgins, president of MobileWare. Steve, it's really been a pleasure getting to pick your brain today on this. Uh, if folks want to learn more about CAS or they want to learn more about uh, MobileWare's approach to CAS, or maybe they just want to ask you a few questions themselves to get a better grasp of the best use cases, how can they get in touch? How can they learn more?
1: No, and, and thanks for uh, for asking that. So certainly you can go to our website, uh, mobilewareus.com. Uh, they can also reach us anytime uh, at our main number, 303-355-2180. And my email, uh, shiggins at mobilewareus.com. So happy to answer any questions. Fantastic.
0: Steve, thank you again for your time. It's really been a pleasure. And uh, keep on making great things happen with mobileware. I'm looking forward to seeing all of the great updates to CAS as a solution, right? Um, And, uh, you know, really curious to see some of the flags that mobileware can plant. So till then, Steve, thanks again for your time. Thank you. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Better Broadband, a Clearfield podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want some previous episodes with the team or you want to make sure you don't miss out on future updates to the show, make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also head to our website, cclearfield.com. Again, that's c-s-e-e clearfield.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Better Broadband.